Welcome to Abiding in Hope, a production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and St. Rose of Lima Radio in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm Marianne Jepson, clinical counselor in Columbus, Ohio. I'm Father John Sims Baker, the pastor of St. Rose of Lima Parish in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And it's great to have you all with us. And always, Father, it's great to have you with me here on this show. Um, Would you start us off with a prayer, please? Of course. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you, and bless you, and glorify you, and thank you. And we lift up today to you all who are listening, and all who have sent in questions, uh, all of those who might be helped in any way by this show. We just entrust all of this into your hands. Please use and direct uh, this time. Uh, for your glory and for the good of souls. And we ask all these prayers through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we also ask the intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray together. Hail Mary, Mary, full full of of grace, the Lord Lord is with with thee. Blessed art thou thou among women, women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners sinners, now and at the hour hour of our our death. death. Amen. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Rose of Lima, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Father, I like how you prayed for the people who send in the questions. Um, Because I remember, well, because we're just very, very grateful for them. Um, But also something you said once um, was that these questions, even though a, a particular individual sends them in, it... So many people are in the same situation, and it applies to them as well. So, And you may not always um, be listening when your question is aired, but you know that someone else is being helped by that question. We can guarantee that because I hear about it, and I'm sure you probably do, Father, as well. Yes, it's a, I think it really is sort of an act of charity to send these questions in, actually, because it really does help a lot of other people besides think, yourself. Yeah, yeah, I I believe that. So, and if you cannot um, hear your question answered at the time that these um, shows are aired, you can certainly go to the um, website saintgabrielradio.com and go to the archives of Abiding in Hope. They will be posted there and also on abidinginhope.com, which is where you can send your questions, abidinginhope.com, and we're very grateful for those. So, Father, you're ready for the first question? Sitting on ready. Rocking on go. go. Yay. All right, so here we go. I've suffered from debilitating anxiety attacks for years, the scariest of which landed me in the emergency room. The worst physical symptoms are vertigo, shortness of breath, trembling, and the sense of losing control. They can last anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour, and the fear of having an attack in public holds me back from even attending church. I feel so alone, like no one understands how hard it is to live like this. Is it possible to recover from this disorder, and where do I begin to tackle it spiritually as well as emotionally? I am taking antidepressants, which only seem to help a little. Thank you. Well, you know, I think this is one of those questions, and I think, well, first of all, Marianne, I think you'll have plenty to say on this one, Um, but I think this is one of these questions where uh, I think we can address a part of the question, but this is a question that really 
uh, straddles many different um, you know aspects of of life. And so the the questioner uh, asked specifically, where do I begin to tackle this spiritually as mm-hmm. well as emotionally? Mm-hmm. And that's just one thing I would just encourage this the person who sent in the sent in the question, and also other people who might be in this similar kind of situation to remember that you have a lot of different factors here. So no one approach is probably going to be the answer, but certainly not going to be the answer for this. Because this even also, as you know, as this question indicates, also has physical, you know, manifestations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to it, you know. So you want to, you know, have the physical side, medical side checked out. You want to have the emotional and and psychological support you need for this as well, which seems to be much be part of the case too. You said you're taking antidepressants, so you must have seen someone, you know, in that area. Uh, but it also is a spiritual uh, uh, matter as well, and I think that that's something that can help, uh, even if it doesn't necessarily provide the, you know, the cure for this. Um, I think in, it, it can certainly help you to to sort of cope with the situation more uh, profitably. So that that's what I would say. You know, first of all, there is. I think I've quoted this priest to you before. Um, uh, wonderful priest um, who, when I heard him, was preaching missions, and uh, he uh, he he's from originally from Alabama. And certainly you can tell that in his, the way he speaks. Uh, and he would say, very many people, uh, he said, if you got a spiritual problem, you got to have a spiritual solution. You know? <laughs> and so a lot of times people oh. will be having spiritual problems and they'll try to, you know, treat it <laughs> with other, you know, in other ways, you mm-hmm. know. And... So this this is a this def, definitely has a spiritual aspect to it. It's not an exclusively spiritual problem, but it definitely does have spiritual, um, you know, elements to it. And so you want to look for spiritual solutions. Mm-hmm. And I think this is and I don't know. This may sound harsh or judgmental on my part. I really don't mean it that way at all. I think it's just the truth about so many of our spirit, every spiritual problem ultimately comes down to some manifestation of pride to tell you the truth. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that is the root of every sin. And it's really the root pretty much, I think of every spiritual problem. And, and I think that with, um, in in this kind of an area, if we can learn to trust God and to surrender to God uh, interiorly about our spiritual life. Uh, yesterday, um, the, um, it, the this antiphon comes up every month that I helps me so much in the liturgy, the hours, surrender to God and he will do everything for you. Mm-hmm. And it always knocks me over the head uh, because I do such a poor job of that. And I think that's one of the things that can help. You know, I think what happens with anxiety sometimes from the spiritual side of things is that we are feeling responsibility for things that actually we're not responsible for, you know, or that we can't really do anything about. And we have to just surrender that, 
you know, to God um, and realize that, that God really is in control of everything and we're not. Yes. <laughs> and that's okay, actually. That's the way it's supposed to be. Um, and to remind ourselves that again and again. And so allowing a sense of a, a lack of control to be something perhaps that can bring us to peace <laughs> and to bring us to greater, you know, of a dependence on God. Um, then I think it can help us through, you know, things like this. When you start to feel these um, anxiety attacks, you know, something like this coming on, if you can just sort of interiorly say, okay, God, I really just, I want to put this completely in your hands. Um, I'll say this, it certainly won't hurt anything. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and as a matter of fact, I think it might help not only spiritually, but it might help emotionally and even physically, you know, because all of those things are really connected with each other, even though I think we do need to seek help in those different areas. It, it kind of overlaps, though. We're, we're, we're not, you know, you're just one person, you know, <laughs> each one of us it is. And so, um, so to try to be spiritually healthy and uh, turning to God, uh, I think, can help, you know, in these other ways, or at least dispose you to allow the help that's there emotionally and psychologically or medically and that sort of thing to be maybe more effective because you're more open to it and 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 uh, so that's what i would say to you is you know is to really just trust god in these moments surrender to god realize that he really is god that i i i am not responsible for a lot of the things that maybe i i take uh, on my own shoulders i can really turn those over to him and 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 ask for his help or even like saint therese who i, I love so much would do almost demand his help. <laughs> so like, God, you got to do this. You know, mm-hmm. I can't do it. You've got to. So, uh, and that's not a prideful thing to do. That's that's sort of a, a a manifestation of you know really of spiritual childhood of being willing to be dependent. You know, uh, on on God's love and mercy. Let Him be a loving Father. So that's yeah. what I would say spiritually. So yeah. Well, I think um, as you were talking, Father, about that saying that he is God, and I'm thinking, um, and we are not, right? Um, so yeah. I've always loved the scripture passage, be still and know that I am God, Right. <laughs> that he says, and then we can add on, and I am not, right? Be still and know that I am God, and or he is God, and I am not. Um, but also there's another passage that I always think about. It's from Philippians 4, and it's the one about do not be anxious about everything, anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus that is so true and that is so beautiful in those moments when these anxiety these panic attacks come over you you know, in prayer and supplication, call out to him because you got to do something in that moment. Um, it sounds like this uh, person who sent this question um, says that the attacks have been debilitating for years. Mm-hmm. So what 
happens to your brain when you have debilitating attacks for years. These, the ways of thinking have been so well ground into your brain. And th- what happens is, is, as you've mentioned in here, with the shortness of breath and the vertigo and the trembling and the heart and um, palpitations and everything that send you to the emergency room, you're not alone. So many people go to the emergency room for panic attacks. Um, but taking it at the very core of where this all starts, you know, oftentimes our our families have been um, the ways that they spoke about things, maybe negatively, or that the world was a great place to fear and walking out of the house or taking your next breath or whatever, you had to be afraid of it because the sky was falling or one thing or other. There was, you know... That can get this started if these attacks have been going on for years such that it really created these neural pathways that became well-worn at any sort of thing, such as even going to church. Um, The fear of all of those people. The key words here are um, control and fear. And I think Father spoke to that quite interestingly in, in saying that Oftentimes, our pride is what is involved in that. Well, oftentimes, anxiety and panic is starts with our need to have control over things that we do not have control of. If we don't have control of them, then we fear them. And it starts this thing moving, which then fear of not having control causes us to try to have control all the more, which... We lose that battle, and then all of this takes place in our body. Well, um, if we stop for a minute and are able to think about this when we first start to feel these panic attacks coming on, that by trying to fight for control, I'm losing control. What I have to do is just sit back and relax, take some deep breaths, Turn this over to the Lord. Call upon him in prayer and realize he's the one who's God and he's the one who has control here. I have to surrender this to him, just as Father said, surrendering it to him. And then knowing that the emotions and all of this come from our midbrain area, but God was so good that he gave us a cerebral cortex that we're able to think this thing through a little bit and and realize that we have to kick into gear and calm down, calm ourselves down, that it's not by fighting for control that we can control our panic attacks, but it's sort of like surrendering those things and and calming and, and choosing peace. There, um, it, there's a lot of um, neurotransmitters that are involved in this discussion, but it's it's kind of too much to go into um, with the amount of time that we have. But the things that you can do in those moments is is changing how you think about these things when they start to happen and take some quick action in terms of, doing what you can to control yourself and bring it bring it down by um I know that's using the word control too much and may be confusing but um I once had um a client that was a young woman who um suffered debilitating panic attacks and couldn't drive and, and would could hardly work and things and 
she needed to rely on rescue medication all the time. And so she wanted help for that. And in talking her through this one day, I could see that she was going into a panic attack. And I said to her, you know that I can stop talking now if this is sending you into this attack. But if you want to go through this to show that you actually can work through this thing and do this yourself, um, we can keep going. And she asked me to keep going. And I said, do you have your medication there if you need it at any time? But let's just calm down. And, and by calming her down and talking her down on this, she was so grateful because she realized she actually could do this on her own. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't in engaging the fear. It was turning away from the fear and just stopping that and really giving it to the Lord. And, and um, you know, I, I would always say to do that first, to just take deep breaths and surrender this to him. And um, and hopefully there's a couple books that I might like to recommend also, um, which I think are very good. I love um, David Burns's books, and he has this one called When Panic Attacks. And I like his approach in that he turns more away from medication and he encourages people to um, realize that these are things that once you learn to control them yourself, you don't feel like you have to rely on medication so much, which is a good thing, I think. Um, and he has good, good. I love that book. That's a very great book. And then there's also one by Dr. Archibald Hart. And Ar- Archibald Hart is a, um, a Christian um, psychologist. And so he brings scripture and various other things into the process of helping people with their anxiety. Um, he's, he's quite the expert. Um, the anxiety cure is what is called by Dr. Archibald Hart, a proven method for dealing with worry, stress, and panic attacks. So I would recommend both of those books as well. There's many, many other ones that are good out there, but those are two of my favorites. So I hope that helps. Father, you have any final words on that question? It's interesting. Sitting right here in front of me as we were talking, I have a, a holy card from uh, St. Uh, Teresa of Avila with a quotation, a beautiful prayer from St. Teresa of Avila. Oh, so in addition yes. to those scripture quotations that you provided, yes. Marianne, yeah. this beautiful prayer of St. Teresa, um, let nothing disturb you, mm. let nothing frighten you, all things pass away. God never changes, patience obtains all things. They who have God lack nothing. God alone suffices. Mm -hmm. I love that. Let nothing disturb you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So true. So beautiful. Carry that card with you when you need it. You know, in those moments, it's you can get that card online. You can find that prayer and print it off online. It's a good one to carry with you. So um, anyway, thank you for that question. It was a great question. We really appreciate it. Please do send your questions into abidinginhope.com. And Father and I will take them forward from there. Um, you're listening to Abiding in Hope. I'm Marianne Jepson, and I'm Father John Sims Baker. And we're happy to have you with us. Father, next question. Great. Okay, here we go. I am an early person, and my wife likes to wake up late. Because of different schedules, I attend my parish's 7.30 a.m. Mass, and my wife attends a later Mass. Do you think attending different Masses is okay, or should we attend Mass together? 
That's a good question, I think, and, and maybe a little bit more profound than it seems on the surface. Yeah. By the way, this questioner, interestingly, is someone that I went to college with. I know. <laughs> and isn't I, that? Yeah. And I didn't know he had become a Catholic. Yes. And so well, uh, when he sent that question, um, I think you haven't you lost touch. 20, oh, no. A couple decades ago, did you not? Yeah, so I'm looking yeah. forward to getting back in touch, actually. So. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. So he must be listening. I don't know if it's in, in Murfreesboro area or is he? I don't think so, but his, I don't know. We'll name, find out. His I'll name find, actually you know. sounded familiar to me. So I'm thinking, did he move to Columbus? You know who you are. Make contact <laughs> with us. <laughs> Again. Well, the, uh, but in any case... <laughs> Well, you know, I think this is one of these things where there's sort of a, I would say, generally speaking, I would say it's probably good to go to mass together. But I don't think it's an absolute rule, to tell you the truth. Um, I I think, you know, with and this is something, you know, of course, as a parish priest, I do a lot of marriage preparation and sort of, you know, talking with married couples, too. And when you're doing marriage prep, and I think this is true even in a completely secular setting, one of the the things you're looking for are the things that you have in common, you know, Mm -hmm. and the things that you want to look at and maybe spend some time on are the things that you have that are differences. I mean, like, for example, you know, um, this person who sent in the question gets up early and his wife likes to sleep later, maybe when they have the opportunity. So, this is a there there's a difference there and differences aren't necessarily a problem but it's good to one know that they exist and two have some way of dealing with them you know and so uh cuz the thing that you don't want to have is something that goes on over a long period of time where one person or the other sort of seem feels neglected or ignored or something like that you know if like, for example, the, the person sending in this question always gets up early in the morning and heads off to mass and, and the wife wakes up later and feels abandoned or something like that. Well, that's mm-hmm. a problem. OK, mm-hmm. but um, or or, uh, you know, that, but but, you know, if if it's something that they have, you know, worked out and it seems to work well for them and they both feel and they, and they do plenty of other things together, especially other spiritual things like praying together or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily an issue. You know, it's one of those things where I think, uh, again, I would say as a general rule, I would think couples probably would go to mass together. But if there's if there is a sort of a good reason why that's, you know, not the case and that's sort of mutually agreeable to everybody i don't i i wouldn't think that that's necessarily a big problem so i think that's what you would want to do in this kind of situation and just sort of make sure hey are are you are is this really okay and are we actually uh you know though you know sharing our spiritual lives though because you really should do that in marriage you should share everything you know you should be there should be a and so um so there, even if if you're not going to mass together, are you praying together? Are you, you know, that sort of thing. So again, maybe I'm off the beam. You're married. Maybe you can shed a little more light on this, Mary. I don't. <laughs> well, first off, I'd like to say that um, it's a good thing that they both are going to mass. Of course, I mean, that's the main. Praise thing. <laughs> God for that. Yeah, that's a, a really good thing. So I always like to start with the good things first, and I, I would agree with you that I mean. 
I don't think that there's any hard and fast rule either in the church or or in the psychological world or any anywhere else that that you need to go together but um you know it was uh, Father Peyton who popularized the phrase the family that prays together stays together you did allude to that that hopefully they're praying together in other ways um but I would say the staying together part of that is something that requires effort in a lot of ways that you want to take seriously. And so while there could be sacrifice in you, the the person who wrote this, um, maybe getting up early and doing a few other things before your wife gets up, and then going to a mass where you could negotiate the time. Maybe it's not the latest mass of the day, but it's one of the others. Negotiating that, making compromises on things so that every now and then or a couple times a month or something that you could go together. Um, It's certainly not about appearances to anyone else in the church where they're thinking, well, gosh, does his wife never go to church or her? Well, his the husband must not go to church. Maybe he's not Catholic. It's not about that, though. I, I, you know, sometimes you wonder what people think, I guess. It's not about what people think. It's about the compromises and negotiations and sacrifices that you make for your marriage. So can you do that every now and then, the two of you, where you would both make a sacrifice one way or the other for the sake of, of that? Because it is nice to go to Sunday Mass with your spouse. Um, it's one just, thing I would mm-hmm. add is just that, and this isn't part of this question, but I think if children are in the picture, yes, that's a yes. different yes, matter. Yes, that's true. I would say if they're children, then you really ought to try to go to Mass together uh, as a family. Um, And then as children get older, then then that becomes a challenge in and of itself, you know? (laughs) And so, uh, but, um, and, and so I'm not trying to guilt trip any family out there that, because I know as families get together, I'm just, again, like you said, I'm always excited to see people getting to mass, you know, even if it's that um, I had for many years when I was the chaplain at the university, we had the last mass in Nashville. It was at 9 p.m. on the college campus. At college campuses, they have these late night masses a lot of times. And sometimes people from the community would come to that mass because it was literally the last chance yeah, mass. Yeah, the last chance. Yeah. And I always thought, well, you know, they're taking that seriously. Yes, and, you they know, are. Maybe it's not ideal that whatever, but it, you know, it, it, uh, so. There's uh, no but, judgment here. There's just no judgment here. We're happy yeah. you're coming to mass. Yeah. But the, uh, but if children are involved, I, I do think that's a, a reason to try to get to, to mass. I altogether. think so too. It's, that's a good example. Well, Father, um, I think we've come to the end of another show. Um, We are so blessed to have you with us, have uh, all of your listeners. Again, abidinginhope.com is where you can send your questions. We so much appreciate them. And Father, would you send us out with a blessing, please? The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.